there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Whose shoes are you wearing? Well, I would have to ask that in a group of meditators who all take their shoes off before they come in. A person who's walking in mom's or dad's shoes is not yet awake. So if you see someone who's walking in life's shoes, what you know about that person is they're not yet awake they may never wake up. A person who has never questioned the acquired attitudes, life attitudes, that they have acquired in life, the buffers, the prejudices, is wearing shoes that are made by life, shoes that were passed down from mom or dad. You'll never fill your mother's shoes. You'll never fill your father's shoes. Oh, yeah! And what do you do? You try, don't you? We try. It's like you, you see the pictures of the little girl, you know, with the beads on and mom's hat and the high heel shoes, and she's just like swamped by all this stuff, you know, and the scarf or whatever or stole. And she's swamped and she's standing in front of the mirror and she's got lipstick all over her face, you know, and, and eye makeup on. And she just is trying to follow in her mother's footsteps. In other words, she's trying to fill her mother's shoes. And this is what happens to us in life. We acquire all of these things from these people around us. And it doesn't have to be just your mother. So what if you were raised by your grandmother or your aunt? You see, so it's, it, it's, it's not a good idea to get literal about this. But it is a good idea to understand this psychologically. Because that's really what we're talking about. Our shoes that we're wearing, or that person's shoes, let's just look at it outside of ourselves because that's a little bit easier. So we'll look at some other person who's wearing mom's shoes or dad's shoes or life's shoes. And that person's shoes may wear out, or they may not wear out. Some people are able to wear those shoes throughout all of their life, and they never wear out. They somehow are like hobnail boots. They have really thick soles and steel toes, and then big cleats on the bottom or hobnails on the bottom so that they just never wear out. They just keep on going. And some people, their shoes are thinner and they start to wear out and life begins to poke them. The road of life begins to poke them and hurt them and they start to get tender. They, ow, 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 ow. And then they think, well, you know, maybe I need some new shoes. And so they go to the shoe store and they buy some new shoes. And and all that is is someone else's creation. So the shoe store happens to be, let's say, uh, uh, this seminar or that workshop. Or let's say they stop at the Lutheran shoe store. Or let's say they stop at the Catholic shoe store, the Jewish shoe store, or the Muslim shoe store. And they buy Muslim shoes or Jewish shoes or, or Catholic shoes or Lutheran shoes or Methodist shoes. Or let's say they buy Freud shoes or Jung shoes. Or let's say they buy scientific shoes. Or let's say they... Let's say they buy university shoes. Let's say they buy doctor shoes. Or how about if they buy electrician shoes? So they put the shoes on and then they start walking through life again. And for a while, those shoes don't wear out. Or maybe those shoes never wear out. But it's not really a function of the shoes so much as just how tender your feet are. In other words, it's like the princess and the pea. The princess, if you put a pea under the princess's mattress, a real princess feels the pea 
even if they're 10 mattresses. Is that how the story goes? Mm -hmm. Like 20 mattresses. 20 mattresses, okay, I, I got that wrong, but fortunately I've got a Virgo here who can help me to get every little P in place because we don't want to miss a P. What we're talking about is magnetic center. See, whether or not you're a princess or whether or not you're a prince really is a matter of whether or not you have magnetic center. And if you have magnetic center, the shoes are going to wear out. Life's shoes are going to wear out because life is going to poke through to, to magnetic center. Magnetic center is going to say, you know, there's got to be something better than this. And it won't look to life for the something better. And if you're one of those people, you have my condolences because you're not going to be able to wear those shoes that life acquired for you permanently. They're going to wear out. They're going to wear thin. They don't wear out all together. They may look great, but you've got a big hole in the bottom. Every time you step in a puddle, your socks get wet. Ew, that's annoying. Or it snows and that part of your foot is freezing. Or it's really hot and you're walking on asphalt and it's like, ow, 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 ow. you just got this one blister right there on that spot and everything else is just fine. Magnetic center, the pee under the mattress. Esoterically, our feet are where we touch external life. See, all of this is not about shoes. It's not about our feet. It's not about, oh, how stylish. Oh, oh, it's not about that. It's about life and how we need to change if we want to begin to walk this earth differently. Or do you want to walk it the same way your parents did? The same way everyone else has? Well, yeah, that's not so bad. Lucky you. Then lucky you. Please go right back to sleep. Turn this off. Do yourself a favor, turn this off, go back to sleep, go back out to life, go back to the shoe store, buy some more shoes, have a wonderful life. But for those of you who can't turn this off, for those of you who have magnetic center, for those of you who are tormented by this something that causes us to reach higher, beyond, that causes us to look in the mirror, even though what we see there is just too horrible to look at for any length of time that we flinch and we back away. If you're one of those people, and thank God there are not very many of them, then you have an opportunity to escape the hamster wheel, to escape the treadmill, to escape this constant cycle of repetition over and over and over again, doing the same thing over and over again, war after war, life after life, death after death, pain after pain, failure after failure, success after success, whatever, it's repetition. So esoterically, our feet are where we touch external life. It's why Jesus washed his disciples' feet. It's why Mary anointed Jesus' feet. It's why Jesus said, cut off your foot if it causes you to stumble. It's why it's said, his angels will bear you up in their hands lest you strike your foot against a stone. You're bound to strike your foot against a stone sooner or later. And what does the stone represent? Well, the stone represents the most basic, hardest truth. And your foot is your understanding. Well, I guarantee you that sooner or later, your understanding and the truth are going to come in contact. And when they do, it's going to hurt. You're going to strike your foot against the stone. It'll, it'll hurt. Because when you understand your condition, when you understand what you are, when you begin to see that, it's very painful to us. It's painful to us because we imagined that we were something else. But we didn't know it was imagination. We thought it was real. So shoes obviously cover the feet. That represents attitudes, prejudices, opinions, the things with which we meet life. 
So we don't really go barefoot in life. We wear shoes. We coat our understanding with attitudes and prejudices, buffers, those things that we send out to meet life because the road of life can be very hard. You remember the story I used to tell about the two guys who were on a trip and they're walking along and, and their feet got really sore. And one of them said, I have a great idea. Let's go and hunt and we'll capture a lot of animals and we'll skin them and we'll cover the road with their fur. And the other guy said, well, I've got a better idea. Let's go hunt and catch one animal, skin it and cover our feet with the fur. And so here we are. How are we going to do this? Are we going to cover the road? Are we going to change life? Or are we going to change ourselves? Are we going to cover our feet? We acquire this covering over our feet, over our understanding in life. The question is now, how do we trade life's shoes for work shoes? You remember the story of the prodigal son. He returns to his father and his father says to his servants, bring out the best robe and put the best robe on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Well, why? Well, because the son's understanding took him down a road that ate up all his wealth and made him miserable, and he almost starved to death until he finally became willing to just even be a servant in his father's house, to go back and say, look, I really messed up, Dad. <laughs> you know, forgive me, but just let me be one of your servants. Just hire me. Give me a job. I'll muck out the stables, whatever. And that's a different covering on your feet. That's work shoes. When we come to the place of humility where we realize that our way, that what we acquired in life isn't going to do it, that we're willing to make ourselves some new shoes. Unfortunately, we can't buy these shoes directly. Unfortunately, our father's not going to come running down the road and, puts, and, and have a servant put sandals on our feet. Unless, of course, we've already been through hell, like the prodigal son was. But if we think we're going to get the sandals right now without going through all that, we're mistaken. That's not how it works. How do I know that's not how it works? Well, show me someone that it has worked that way for them. Give me one example in the history of this world. Take your time. So we can't really buy the shoes directly. We can only buy the leather to make them ourselves. That's why in this work they say that they have good leather to sell for those who wish to make shoes. Why new shoes? Well, to walk in life differently, to walk life in a different way. We walk the earth too proudly. It's why we can go into a country and destroy the native culture, destroy their lives, their homes, because we, those who go into that country, walk the earth too proudly. We think we are better. We think that by imposing our will on them, they will be happier. Actually, what usually happens is they go extinct. They become our slaves, they become miserable, and they finally are extinct. They finally just disappear off the face of the earth for all intents and purposes, because we walk the earth too proudly. Our shoes act as transformers for impressions coming to us through the five senses. So what does this mean? Our life comes to us through the five senses. We receive impressions through the five senses. Our shoes act as transformers or like filters. And they make those impressions that come in through the five senses uniform. They, make, they, bring, they put them in line with the kinds of shoes we're wearing, the kinds of attitudes we have, the kinds of prejudices we have, the kinds of buffers that we have, how we were raised, what we were told to think. Life shoes take things the same way over and over and over and over and over again. Work shoes give us the first conscious shock or basically receiving impressions in a new way. Work shoes give us the opportunity to 
get a little shock, a little jolt. Somebody comes and they say something to us, and Life Shoes interprets it this way. Blah, 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 blah. Well, that idiot, they don't know anything. Of course I'm right. I'm always right. Just ask anybody, except that person, of course. <laughs> but Work Shoes won't allow that. Work Shoes give you the first conscious shock. Wait a second. Listen to what this person has to say, because that person is you. Whatever it is that's annoying you about that person is something that you're unwilling to see about yourself. That's a shock. That's a different kind of shoe. When an impression doesn't come in the same old way, it comes in differently. We're willing to look at it. When we walk in acquired shoes, we walk in our own country psychologically. One of the things that is a clue if you're reading parables or allegories is when someone is in their own country, their own possessions, their own whatever it is, it is a sign of someone who is identified. And an identified person is being dragged around by whatever it is they're identified. So they're not really in control. They're just hanging on to the roller coaster bar, to the bar and the roller coaster as it goes. And where is it going to go? It's going to go where it always goes, because it's on rails. And that is what we are talking about when we say that life is mechanical for us. Our life is on rails. Well, but it's a long ride. Yes, but you go through the same thing again and again and again. How many times will you ride that roller coaster? I see people get off a roller coaster ride and get right back in line to get on it again. And then do that all day. Okay, if that's what you can do, then do that. But if you can do something else, if you sense the pee under your mattress... If you can do something else, you're not really going to ever be completely at peace with yourself until you try that something else. In other words, with that pee under your mattress, it's just not going to be so easy to go back to sleep again. You're not going to be able to sleep the way everyone else can sleep. Remember the pee in my story here is representing magnetic center. That in us which will not allow us to go back to sleep for whatever reason. I don't know how it got there. Let somebody else figure that out. I'm not interested in the philosophy of it. I'm interested in the, the actual practical application of it. Mechanical behavior toward the events in life is what we're talking about. It's our mechanical behavior toward the events in life. This happens, we always do that. That happens, we always do that. Someone pulls in front of us, we always behave in the same way. When I say always behave in the same way, I don't mean you have never behaved in any other way. It could happen that you didn't behave in that particular, you didn't get upset. You didn't get as upset as you got the last time. It can happen, but can you control it? Well, of course we think we can. We think we can control, we think we control everything, which is exactly what happens when you're asleep. When you're asleep, you dream that you're controlling everything. Incoming impressions always fall on the same place, exciting the same reactions. If that's the case, you're not doing this work. So every once in a while, you don't react to what that person said in the same way that you have always reacted. Then you are doing this work. Well, sometimes that just happens. I don't know how that happened. Well, I don't know how it happened either. But if you've been exposed to these ideas and if you've embraced them at all and tried to make some effort in that direction, it's bound to happen. You may not have a lot of control over it, but it's bound to happen. You've been infected. And once you get infected with these ideas, they start to change things inside of you. Of course, the change is never enough, it's never good enough, it's never fast enough, because then we're kind of stuck between two worlds. The world that we really would like to be in and the world that we're stuck in, that we don't want to be in, but we really don't want to be out of. It's a terrible position to be in. Why are people not beating down my door? 
because the reality of this is that it hurts to beat on somebody's door. Have you ever knocked with your bare knuckles on a door? Well, you don't do that for a long time. That's why they invented doorbells and door knockers or shoes. The work teaches that we must go against mechanicalness, but this is impossible unless we can see our mechanicalness. If you can't see it, you can't work on it. We can't work in the dark. Somehow we've got to get some light on us. Light on us? Well, okay, but it's gonna be one of those, those kind of rosy lights, right? That makes me look good. You know, it's not gonna be, it's kind of like, it's gonna be a limelight, right? It's not gonna be a harsh spotlight or anything. It's not like gonna be a, an, an operating room light, is it? It depends on what it is you want. If you just wanna look good, well then it'll be a limelight. If you want to work, then you'll get the best, clearest, brightest light that you can stand. Not that you can get, but that you can stand, that you can tolerate, that you can live with in this moment, with the aim of allowing that light to broaden and brighten as you progress. With the aim of not identifying with what it shows you so that you can allow it to show you more. Because when we start identifying with what it shows, no, you're making me look bad. How can I take it or life or a person differently when I'm sure that it or they are wrong? This is it, man. This is right. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we make contact. This is close encounters of the third kind. This is the kind you get warning lights flash at the railroad crossing and the, the bell goes ding, 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 and you get a sunburn. This is close encounters of the third kind. This is like, oh man. How can I take life or a situation or a person differently when I'm sure that it is wrong, that they are wrong, when I'm absolutely certain of it, when I know it? You can't because there's no act of transformation taking place in you. We're stuck feeling this is the only way there is to react to this situation. This is the only way that I can react to this person because this person is wrong. This situation is wrong. There's nothing else I can do. No reasonable sane person could react any other way. But reasonable sane people were the people that raised us. The reasonable sane people are the people who are murdering, stealing, annihilating, and destroying this planet and everything on it. Well, don't you think you're being a bit extreme and over the top? No, no, I don't at all. I think that you are living in a dreamland. You're living in some world of imagination. And I've got this pin of truth that is threatening to pop your bubble. That's what I think. We need new shoes to stop reacting in fixed and prejudiced ways. Life's shoes are worn by the personality, and the personality for us is directed by false personality. And that's not beneficial for us. Not if we wish to develop. If we wish to sleep, the pee under the mattress needs to be removed, but it can't be. You stand on your personality as you stand on your feet. Our psychology rests on the most mechanical eyes in the moving parts of centers. This is what the work says. A translation for that is, we're standing on what we've acquired. What we've acquired is, the foundation that we've acquired was what our parents gave us, or what that led to, what teachers in school gave us, what our friends gave us. We acquired it all. Oh no, I've thought this for myself. You look at little kids. They all have to have the same this or the same that. And then you look at stockbrokers. And they all have to have the same this and the same that. 
And then you look at athletes, and they all have to have the same this and the same that. You look anywhere. You look at doctors, and they all have to have the same this and the same that. It doesn't matter who you look at. You look at any club. They all have to have the same thing. Well, maybe it's a little different, but that's just so that they can keep their individuality. Individuality is a joke for us. There is no such thing as an individual machine. There are machines that do different things, that's all. But there are no individual machines because machines are not awake. They cannot be self-conscious. Therefore, they cannot be individual any more than we can. Yet we imagine that we are. And that's called imaginary eye or false personality. These psychological feet that we stand on, based in the mechanical eyes and moving parts of centers, it's the source of how we behave. Work has leather to sell to make new shoes, new feet, new ways of be behaving toward life. You can behave differently towards anything in life. You don't have to take it as you are taking it now. If you could get this, you'd jump up in the air and come down in slow motion. You'd be so happy. But we don't get it. It's just words to us. We just sit there and nod. But we don't get it. We don't get that you can behave toward things in life, any one thing in life, differently. You don't have to behave in the same way. You don't have to take it that way. When your wife says to you, blah, 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 blah. Or when your husband says to you, rah, 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 you don't have to do what you've always done in the past. Well, that's right, I could kill him. No, that's not it. You can behave differently. You can respond differently. You don't have to react in a knee-jerk reaction. If I come over here with a little rubber mallet and whack you in the right place on your knee, your foot goes, reaction, involuntary. That's what we're talking about. You don't have to do that, the work says. But only if you can begin to think differently. Only if you can begin to change your mind. Oh, well, I knew there was a catch to it. Yes, there's a catch to it. There's not a work shoe store where you go buy work shoes and you put them on and that's it. It's over. No, you have to change your mind. You have to change your thinking. You have to make the shoes. You've got to cut the, you've got to buy the leather. That's, and it's, that's the rude part. You've actually got to buy, I've got to buy the leather? Life won't just give me the leather? No, life already gave you leather. Life already gave you shoes. You spent most of your life acquiring those. This work is to make us think differently so that we gradually are able to feel differently. And then when we can feel differently, we'll be able to see ourselves differently. And I'll tell you what, you don't want to see yourself differently until you can feel differently. Because if you start to see yourself as you actually are and you can't feel differently about it, it makes you crazy. It makes people do crazy things like run out of the fire department with their hair on fire screaming. No, get those firemen away from me. Run out of the hospital with your chest opened up. Jump off the operating table, run out of the hospital screaming. Keep those doctors away from me. They're trying to sew me back up. They're trying to fix me. Do you understand what I'm saying? We go crazy if we start to see ourselves without being able to feel differently. And yet, there's a certain amount of seeing ourselves that has to happen before we can feel differently. So we're going to go a little crazy, is what I'm saying. You're going to go a little crazy. It's, in other words, it's going to hurt. When these worlds collide, you're going to have to see things that are painful. But you've already got the pee under the mattress. It's already uncomfortable. Can you live through this? Is this something you can do? Is this something you're willing to do? Yes, of course, we're all willing to do it until we get into the dentist chair, until we hear that high pitch of the drill. Until we smell the tooth burning. Then we begin to wonder whether or not we're really cut out for this work. When you realize you and wish to separate from you, you begin to understand what this work is about. When Parkinson realizes Parkinson and wishes 
to separate from Parkinson, I have begun to understand what this work is about. I look at Parkinson and I say, Ugh, and I just want to back away. That's when I've begun to understand what this work is about. But understanding what this work is about is not the same as doing it. It's the beginning. It's just understanding what needs to be done. The realization that you can't do it can be quite difficult. The realization of our mechanicalness is the first step towards self-remembering. And remember that self-remembering is the first conscious shock. But the realization of our own mechanicalness has to come first. We've got to realize what machines we are. We've got to realize that we are not in control. We've got to realize that we are marionettes and that what is holding the fist full of strings that control us is the arbitrary accidental events in life. And we're being jerked around by that. No, that's not true. Fine. Go back to sleep. You're not ripe yet. You're too green to be picked. We're not going to be able to use that grape to make a bottle of wine. That's not going to go into the mix. That needs to stay on the vine a bit longer. That needs to toast in the sun a little bit longer. It needs a little more light and heat and element on it to mature it. Many cannot bear the realization and they deflect the light through a diffuser, like shading our eyes from the sun. We can't look directly into the sun because it's not good for us. So what we do is we diffuse the light. We take a little bit. Some people take that way too far. Eventually, if we wish to develop, we must realize that we don't need to identify with everything. Of course, this is just words right now. You don't need to identify with everything, right? Well, whatever. But it has to become real to you. The work says if you go against mechanicalness even little, you'll get some result. That result may be too much if we identify with what we're shown. If you start to identify with what it is you're seeing, that may be too much. It may be just the extra weight that you need to pull you under the waves so that you can't breathe anymore. We've got to stop having our own way. We've got to leave our own country. We've got to take the shoes off of our feet and walk on holy ground. What was the first thing that happened with Moses when he went to the burning bush? And what's the burning bush represent? Well, we, every, everybody knows that. Everybody knows the burning bush represents what we want, the light, the answer, the eternal truth that burns but does not consume what it burns. That's what we want. We want that light. We want the water that when you drink that water, you never thirst again. We want the fire that when you light that fire, it doesn't consume fuel. It just burns and gives light and warmth and guides us and heals us and purifies us and keeps us safe. That's the light that we want. That's the water that we want. That's the burning bush that we're looking for. But you've got to take the shoes off of your feet and stand on holy ground. What does that mean, holy ground? Holy ground means whole. You don't stand on holy ground. You must become whole. Well, how can I become whole? I'm many. Yes, that's right. You have to change your mind. You have to see that you are many. You have to see your multiplicity, your fracturedness. You have to see that you are a house in chaos with all these servants running around doing whatever they feel like doing, whatever they want to do, whatever they find to do, and making this whole house, this whole internal psychology, chaotic mess. How? Maybe it's to stop identifying with your present suffering. Could be just stop justifying yourself. Maybe it's externally consider that person. What person? That person. You know the one I mean. That person. That person. Externally consider that person. But you don't understand. How can I take that person differently when I'm sure that they're wrong? No transformation going on in you, is there? 
There's no transforming power in you. If you're sure that person's wrong, if you're absolutely certain that person's wrong and you can't take it any other way, there is no first conscious shock happening with you. You're not bringing this work up to the level of incoming impressions. You're not transforming anything in you. You're waiting for life to change. You're waiting for that person to change. Don't hold your breath. Maybe it will stop making internal accounts. Maybe it'll be, you know, how? Well, maybe, maybe it'll be stop internal considering. Don't go with negative emotions or don't even believe in them. We believe in negative emotions. We don't just go with them, we believe in them. Even when we don't go with them, we believe in them. We believe that we're right to feel negative about something and that just leads us to feeling negative about it. Even though we know that that doesn't help us. Turn away from being negative. Turn away from feeling that others should do what you find you should do. This is one of the hardest ones for me. I have to turn away from feeling that others should do what I find that I should do. Oh, I hate this one. It's so hard. Well, if it's right, then it should be right. And if it's something that I should do, then it's something that you should do. Okay, so let's, let's do it this way. Okay, so what I have found is I should not kill people. Well, then nobody should kill people. I can get a lot of agreement about that. And I can find a lot of people who will disagree with that. Usually they're killers. <laughs> but, but, the, but, but the fact is, is that I think I shouldn't kill people. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't kill people. You should do what you find that you should do. That's a difficult one for me. I have to really change my mind about that. I can't mechanically react and think the way I normally do. Well, if it's wrong to kill, then nobody should kill. Everybody should do that. Well, if it's wrong to eat this, then nobody should eat that. And that, I get stuck in that trap. That's a big one for me. So I have to be more awake and work harder on that. Feeling that others should do what you find you should do. And finally, turn away from identified states, ordinary judgments of others, depression, feeling that you're right. These are the things that we must do in order to change our minds, in order to change our shoes, in order to change our prejudices and our attitudes, in order to stop walking in mom's shoes or dad's shoes or life's shoes, the shoes that were acquired, the things that come natural to us, our mechanical behavior, the things upon which our entire life is based, the feet that we actually stand on. That's what needs to change. I don't blame you if it's too much for you. If it's too much for you, let me tell you what you're doing. You're thinking that you have to do it. You're identified with what you've seen and you see that the task is too big for little old you, but you don't have to do it. What you do have to do is one thing at a time. One thing at a time. You don't have to, it's not your concern to change the whole picture. One brush stroke at a time, one letter at a time, one thing at a time. Don't express negative emotions. Turn away from identifying. Turn away from being negative. Turn away from feeling others that sh should do what you find your, that you yourself should do. We must work on ourselves by ceasing from ourselves. Stop being you just for a moment. Just for a moment, stop being you. Well, who should I be? No one. Just stop being you for a moment. Just be. Well, how do you do that? I don't know. I don't know how to tell you to do that. I know to tell you to do that. I know that it is doable. How you do it is for you to find out. Because until you do it, nothing is going to happen. The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com, to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.